Chapter Eight of The Princess and the Goblin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Princess and the Goblin by George MacDonald. Chapter Eight: The Goblins. For some time, Curdie worked away briskly, throwing all the ore he had disengaged on one side behind him to be ready for carrying out in the morning he heard a good deal of goblin tapping but it all sounded far away in the hill and he paid it little heed towards midnight he began to feel rather hungry so he dropped his pickaxe got out a lump of bread which in the morning he had laid in a damp hole in the rock sat down on a heap of ore and ate his supper then he leaned back for five minutes rest before beginning his work again and laid his head against the rock he had not kept the position for one minute before he heard something which made him sharpen his ears it sounded like a voice inside the rock after a while he heard it again it was a goblin voice there could be no doubt about that and this time he could make out the words hadn't we better be moving it said a rougher and deeper voice replied uh, there's no hurry that wretched little mole won't be through tonight if he work ever so hard. He's not by any means at the thinnest place. <laughs> but you still think the load does come through into our house, said the first voice. Yes, but a good bit farther on than he has got to yet. If he had struck a stroke more to the side just here said the goblin tapping the very stone as it seemed to curdie against which his head lay he would have been through but he's a couple of yards past it now and if we follow the load it will be a week before it leads him in you see it back there a long way still perhaps in case of accident it would be as well to be getting out of this alfer you'll take the great chest that's your business you know yes dad said a third voice but you must help me get it on my back it's awfully heavy you know well it isn't just a bag of smoke i admit but you're as strong as a mountain helper you say so dad i think myself i'm all right but i could carry ten times as much if it wasn't for my feet that is your weak point i confess my boy ain't it yours too father well to be honest it's a goblin weakness why they come so soft i declare i haven't an idea especially when your head's so hard you know father yes my boy the goblin's glory is his head to think how the fellows up above there have to put on helmets and things when they go fighting <laughs> but why don't we wear shoes like them father i should like it especially when i've got a chest like that on my head well you see it's not the fashion the king never wears shoes the queen does yes but that's for distinction the first queen you see i mean the king's first wife wore shoes of course because she came from upstairs and so when she died the next queen would not be inferior to her as she called it and would wear shoes too it was all pride she is the hardest in forbidding them to the rest of the women i'm sure i wouldn't wear them no not for that i wouldn't 
said the first voice which was evidently that of the mother of the family i can't think why either of them should didn't i tell you the first was from upstairs said the other that was the only silly thing i ever knew his majesty guilty of why should he marry an outlandish woman like that one of our natural enemies too i suppose he fell in love with her pooh pooh he's just as happy now with one of his own people did she die very soon they didn't tease her to death did they oh dear no the king worshipped her very footmarks what made her die then didn't the heir agree with her she died when the young prince was born how silly of her we never do that it must have been because she wore shoes i don't know that why do they wear shoes up there ah now that's a sensible question and i will answer it but in order to do so i must first tell you a secret i once saw the queen's feet without her shoes yes without her shoes no did you how was it never you mind how it was she didn't know i saw them and what do you think they had toes toes what's that you may well ask i should never have known if i had not seen the queen's feet just imagine the ends of her feet were split up into five or six thin pieces oh horrid how could the king have fallen in love with her you forget that she wore shoes that is just why she wore them that is why all the men and women too upstairs wear shoes they can't bear the sight of their own feet without them ah now i understand if ever you wish for shoes again helfer i'll hit your feet i will no no mother pray don't then don't you but with such a big box on my head ah a horrid scream followed which curdie interpreted as in reply to a blow from his mother upon the feet of her eldest goblin well i never knew so much before remarked a fourth voice <laughs> your knowledge is not universal quite yet said the father you were only fifty last month <laughs> mind you see to the bed and bedding as soon as we've finished our supper we'll be up and going <laughs> what are you laughing at husband i'm laughing to think what a mess the miners will find themselves in somewhere before this day ten years why what do you mean oh nothing oh yes you do mean something you always do mean something it's more than you do then wife that may be but it's not more than i find out you know <laughs> you're a sharp one what a mother you've got helfer yes father well i suppose i must tell you they're all at the palace consulting about it tonight and as soon as we've got away from this thin place i'm going there to hear what night they fix upon i should like to see that young ruffian there on the other side struggling in the agonies of he dropped his voice so low that curdie could hear only a growl the growl went on in the low bass for a good while 
as inarticulate as if the goblin's tongue had been a sausage and it was not until his wife spoke again that it rose to its former pitch but what shall we do when you are at the palace she asked i will see you safe in the new house i've been digging for you the last two months podge you mind the table and chairs i commit them to your care the table has seven legs each chair three i shall require them all at your hands after this arose a confused conversation about the various household goods and their transport and curdie heard nothing more that was of any importance he now knew at least one of the reasons for the constant sound of the goblin hammers and pickaxes at night they were making new houses for themselves to which they might retreat when the miners should threaten to break into their dwellings but he had learned two things of far greater importance the first was that some grievous calamity was preparing and almost ready to fall upon the heads of the miners the second was the one weak point of a goblin's body he had not known that their feet were so tender as he had now reason to suspect he had heard it said that they had no toes he had never had opportunity of inspecting them closely enough in the dusk in which they had always appeared to satisfy himself whether it was a correct report indeed he had not been able even to satisfy himself as to whether they had no fingers although that also was commonly said to be the fact one of the miners indeed who had had more schooling than the rest was wont to argue that such must have been the primordial condition of humanity and that education and handicraft had developed both toes and fingers with which proposition curdie had once heard his father sarcastically agree alleging in support of it the probability that babies gloves were a traditional remnant of the old state of things while the stockings of all ages no regard being paid in them to the toes pointed in the same direction but what was of importance was the fact concerning the softness of the goblin feet which he foresaw might be useful to all miners what he had to do in the meantime however was to discover if possible the special evil design the goblins had now in their heads although he knew all the gangs and all the natural galleries with which they communicated in the mine part of the mountain he had not the least idea where the palace of the king of the gnomes was otherwise he would have set out at once on the enterprise of discovering what the said design was he judged and rightly that it must lie in a farther part of the mountain between which and the mine there wasn't yet no communication there must be one nearly completed however for it could be but a thin partition which now separated them if only he could get through in time to follow the goblins as they retreated a few blows would doubtless be sufficient just where his ear now lay but if he attempted to strike there with his pickaxe he would only hasten the departure of the family put them on their guard and perhaps lose their involuntary guidance he therefore began to feel the wall with his hands and soon found that some of the stones were loose enough to be drawn out with little noise laying hold of a large one with both his hands he drew it gently out and let it down softly what was that noise said the goblin father curdie blew out his light lest it should shine through it must be that one miner that stayed behind the rest said the mother no he's been gone a good while i haven't heard a blow for an hour besides it wasn't like that then i suppose it must have been a stone carried down the brook inside er, perhaps it will have more room by and by curdie kept quite still after a little while hearing nothing but the sounds of their preparations for departure 
mingled with an occasional word of direction and anxious to know whether the removal of the stone had made an opening into the goblin's house he put in his hand to feel it went in a good way and then came in contact with something soft he had but a moment to feel it over it was so quickly withdrawn it was one of the tallest goblin feet the owner of it gave a cry of fright ah what's the matter helfer asked his mother a beast came out of the wall and licked my foot Urgh, nonsense there are no wild beasts in our country said his father but it was father i felt it Urgh, nonsense i say will you malign your native realms and reduce them to a level with the country upstairs that is swarming with wild beasts of every description but i did feel it father i tell you to hold your tongue you are no patriot curdie suppressed his laughter and lay still as a mouse but no stiller for every moment he kept nibbling away with his fingers at the edges of the hole he was slowly making it bigger for here the rock had been very much shattered with the blasting there seemed to be a good many in the family to judge from the mass of confused talk which now and then came through the hole but when all were speaking together and just as if they had bottle brushes each at least one in their throats it was not easy to make out much that was said at length he heard once more what the father goblin was saying <sighs> now then he said get your bundles on your backs here helfer i'll help you up with your chest i wish it was my chest father your turn will come in good time enough make haste i must go to the meeting at the palace to-night when that's over we can come back and clear out the last of the things before our enemies return in the morning now light your torches and come along what a distinction it is to provide our own light instead of being dependent on a thing hung up in the air a most disagreeable contrivance intended no doubt to blind us when we venture out under its baleful influence quite glaring and vulgar i call it though no doubt useful to poor creatures who haven't the wit to make light for themselves <laughs> curdie could hardly keep himself from calling through to know whether they made the fire to light their torches by but a moment's reflection showed him that they would have said they did inasmuch as they struck two stones together and the fire came end of chapter eight